Good afternoon, everybody. How's everybody doing? Can y'all give a little hand clap for just a couple seconds? Come on. Praise God. Amen. It's good to be back with you guys. I missed you guys last week. Can we give a hand clap to Minister Royce Davis for being our speaker on last week? <clears throat> Praise God. I heard he went from the book of Joshua and it was it take the limits off. Take the limits off. Amen. So um, awesome message on just expanding our boundaries in regards to God and having no limits on him because he's a limitless God. Amen. So um, like I shared with many of you guys this morning um, in our morning huddle um, that I'm on like a semi <laughs> semi sabbatical just to refill myself, because sometimes uh, you're pouring out so much that you're not filling your personal soul. So, um, you know, thank God to Minister Royce on last week for uh, filling in because that gave me an opportunity <clears throat> just to refill. Yeah. I mean, every once in a while you need a refill. So um, I've had the opportunity just to read, 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 pray, pray, get guidance, get direction. Um, and, you know, I'm just continually do that for the month of August. So um, I'm going to be here, but some things may change. I'm going to just say it like that. All right. Um, but know that I'm still here. Amen. Um, but I'm just going through a, a, a recharge moment right now um, as we enter into our first year or our year two. Um, so uh, for the month of August and every Bible study until we complete the book, we're going to be going through the whole entire book of Romans. All right. Uh, the entire book of Romans. So y'all might as well go there now. We're going to go to the book of Romans, the first chapter. I don't have a title I don't have three points, so all I can say is just write the points down if anything sticks out to you today, because um, Romans is so broad. It deals with so many different things that um, you can't fancy it. <laughs> and um, one thing I love about Hope Haven and I love about you guys is you guys allow me to preach um, honestly. I don't have to be creative. All I do is preach the book. And I found out it's easier to preach when you just preach the book. <laughs> when you could just go to the scripture, you know, elaborate what God has already said, not add or take away, but just go right to what he's already said and just magnify what he's already revealed to us. The text will preach itself. And I would say that to any preacher, let the text preach itself. Don't try to add don't try to take away don't try to put your little state your little thing in there uh because if you change the gospel then you change the message and it's not the gospel it's it's your thing so i want to preach what's here is that all right so we're going to go to the book of romans i'm going to go as far as i can okay um whatever i do not complete today we're going to complete on wednesday and then we're going to do chapter two on wednesday Next Sunday will be chapter three. That Bible study after that will be chapter four. The following Sunday will be chapter five. Next Bible study will be chapter six. And we're going to go like that, okay? And then in September, we're going to do a two-month series on uh, for September and October on the Holy Spirit. I think it's very important that we understand uh, who the Holy Spirit is, how he operates. And um, we kind of take... Uh, some of the traditional ideas 
of how he operates and the only way we've been taught he operates and really understand the broadness of the operation of the Holy Spirit. Y'all know what I'm saying? So we're going to work on that. But today we're going to deal with uh, the book of Romans. I want to just talk about the book of Romans for just a couple moments. Paul is not speaking at this point to baby Christians. So a lot of people, when they get through Romans, there's a lot of confusion. And sometimes we, under, we don't understand certain things um, because it's no longer just the Gospels. Paul is now getting into the nitty gritty. So when we deal with Romans, uh, some people uh, define it as the Magna Carta of the Bible. It explains uh, salvation. It explains justification. It explains glorification. It explains reconciliation. It explains the blood. It explains baptism. It explains the whole journey of our Christian walk. But before Paul gets there, Paul deals with three different people in the first three chapters. In the first chapter, he's dealing with the pagan. In the second chapter, he's dealing with the moral man. And in the third chapter, he's dealing with the religious man. And one of us, all of us, fit into one of those three men. Either you're the pagan, you're the moral, or you're the religious. So today we're going to deal with the pagan. And I think one of the issues that we have when we look at Romans 1 is some folks get offended, but he's dealing with people in Romans 1. He's dealing with the Romans and Greeks who dealt and worship pagan gods. And what Paul is doing is he's laying the foundation for the people, for us to understand how they got there. Because sometimes sin will get you in such a place to where you don't even realize how you got there. <laughs> Y'all quiet. Sometimes you'll get so far out that like the prodigal son, you'll open your eyes and you'll be like, how in the world did I get here? So Apostle Paul writes up a diagnosis of how we got so far and so deep into our sinful nature. Are y'all with me? So he comes here in the first chapter and he starts off with Paul, comma. I'm, I'm going to really, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to chew it up and spit it out today. If y'all got time. Y'all got time today? <laughs> Support like, don't, get, don't chew it up and give it to me. <laughs> give me baby food. I don't want you. I don't. Some of y'all know that that's the old school way of how they fed babies. You get a piece of chicken and you chew it up and then you, you support like, now nah, Gerber's up the street at Family Dollar. So I'm going to give y'all some Gerber food, all right? All right, I'm not going to chew it up. She's like, ew, can't even be spiritual with her. <laughs> Paul, comma. Paul's name means little, means small. Now, you know, <laughs> a lot of times folks take things to a whole nother level and they'll preach that and say, he was a little man. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, Paul's little. <laughs> he was about five foot four. No, that ain't what, that, that ain't what the scripture say. All right. Because remember, you name babies at birth. All right. But his name was not initially Paul. His name was Saul. And on his way to Damascus, he had an interaction with God and God changed his name. And he did not change his name to symbolize his physical stature. He symbolized his name to humble him and to show his spiritual stature, because in order for you to be big in Christ, you got to humble yourself. You with me? You want God to use you? If you want God to stand up in your life, you got to bow down. But when you stand up, God bows down because what he's saying is he's not bound down to you. What he's saying is you got it. 
So if you want God to arise in your life, you have to bow down in prayer. And when you bow down in prayer, God arises. So what God is saying to Paul is I'm changing your name because I have to humble you so that you understand that everything, every part of your being, he says it. My being and just who I am comes from God. But in order for me to understand that, I have to abase myself. I have to humble myself to get the full revelation of who God is. Sometimes we never get the full revelation of God because deep down inside we've become God ourselves. You never know him as a provider because you're always trying to be the provider. You never know him as the healer because you're always trying to heal everything. But it's when you become small and say, God, take control. It's when God begins to show you the different views of who he is. Are y'all with me today? I'm going to walk you through the text. We still at Paul, Jesus. A slave. Oh. A slave. Y'all know we don't like that word. A slave of Jesus Christ. Y'all want to go deep today? You want to go deep down now? A slave of Jesus Christ. One of the worst things that you could have been called during the biblical days was a slave. The Greeks and the Jews looked down on slaves unlike anyone else. They did not respect slaves because of the caste system. And what Paul is saying is that when it comes to Jesus, I'm a slave to him. Watch this. My will, I surrender to him. My ways, I surrender to him. I am his slave. Can I go a step further? In the Greek, it is I am his bond servant. Meaning that I serve him until my debts are paid off. The problem is, is we are in so much debt. That will never be able to pay off the debts that he put on the cross. So we belong to him. The problem is we see ourselves as slaves. He sees us as sons. <laughs> That's the wonderful thing about God is when you see yourself as a slave, he sees yourself as a son. Let's go back to the prodigal son. He says, uh, I'll just go back to my father's house and be a servant. But when the father saw him, the Bible says that he ran and saw him, when he saw him from afar off. He ran and he did not address him as a servant. He did not say, you're not going to get back in your rightful place. But he says, no, you are my son. And he kisses him and he blesses him. But Paul is making a statement not to God. He's making a statement to the people that I am the lowest of all. And I've surrendered my will to God completely. Y'all with me? So let's, let's study a bond servant for just a couple minutes. A bond servant, like I said, is a person that surrenders their will or goes into slavery until a debt is paid off. But watch this. There was a group of people that even after their debt was paid off, they told the master that they still would be a slave to them. You ever seen that in the scripture? This is uh, Deuteronomy 15, verses 16 through 17. That even after the debts are paid, because remember, there was a season of Jubilee. Y'all ever heard of the season of Jubilee? Every 50 years, the people had to let go of debts and let go of slaves and people were free. 
But there were some people that went back to the master and said, I want to be indebted to you forever. So in order for a statement to be known that this person has told me that they want to be my slave forever, I have to do something to showcase to the people that they made the choice to be my slave. I'm going somewhere. I promise you. They made the choice to be my slave. So now I have to let the people know that they're not a slave by my will, but they're a slave by my choice. So I have to make a statement. So the book of Deuteronomy says in chapter 15 through 16, it says that if a slave comes to you and says, I want to belong to you forever and be your slave. You have to now take his ear and all it to the door and pierce his ear. This is in the Bible. As a symbolization that he will be your slave forever. What Paul is saying to Christ is I want to be pierced to the door. Y'all missed it. And Jesus goes a step further. He says, I am the door. (laughs) So what Paul is saying is pierce me to your will. Y'all missed it. Jesus says, I am the the door. He says, I am the what? The door. And Paul says, pierce me to the door. So what Paul is essentially saying here is pierce me to Jesus. And if Jesus is the door and I'm pierced to the door, then whatever revelation is behind the door, I have the closest ear to it and I have insight of help me, God. So whatever I need in my life, when I'm pierced to Jesus, he gives me instruction. When I'm pierced to Jesus, I hear things in my spirit that most folks don't hear. When I pierce my ear to Jesus, I get insight to certain situations that I'm in. So what Paul is saying is that I am a slave of Jesus Christ. My ear is pierced to him so that I can be and do the complete will of what he has called me to do. I don't know. We might just get through three verses today. (laughs) Called as an apostle. Woo! Called as an apostle. I'm glad y'all ain't recording me on video for this because I'm going to get in trouble. Because when we look at that, the first thing he tells us is that apostleship is a calling. It is one that is called by God. And the word apostle is translated as one that is sent. But if that's the case, then all of us could be apostles. So it means that there has to be more significance to just being one that is sent. (laughs) So what is it that qualifies one to be an apostle? An apostle. Actually, he's supposed to say a T. We just say T because even though that's just how we say it. In order to be an apostle during those times was you had to see Jesus after the resurrection. (laughs) So one of the fights with Apostle Paul, with all the other 12, was you wasn't with us during those three and a half years. <laughs> yeah, all right, I'm talking too deep today. I'm gonna try to make it a little more simplistic. You wasn't with us during those three and a half years, so how in the world are you walking around calling yourself an apostle, nor were you in the upper room in Acts 2? So how? Are you calling yourself an apostle? 
And now Paul has to go and give them the testimony of his walk on the road to Damascus. And on his walk on the road to Damascus, the Bible says that a light shined on him to the point to where it blinded him and said, Paul, Paul, why does thou persecute me? And he says, my apostleship was confirmed by my relationship and my conversation and my opportunity to see Christ just like you saw. So you got a lot of folks calling themselves apostles, but have not seen him. We got folks carrying the title apostle, but they have no testimony of how they saw him. Which now, <laughs> which now makes us have the proper reasoning to challenge the apostleship. Because Paul shares with us, why am I going here today? Paul shares with us that everybody ain't an apostle. Because he says in Ephesians, I give to you, I give to some apostles. So everybody can't be an apostle. I give to some prophets. We're going to get to prophets in a minute. Which means that everybody ain't a prophet. I give to some evangelists. Which means that everybody ain't an evangelist. I get to some pastors. Because Everybody ain't a pastor, and I give to some teachers. That makes up the hand of God. The apostle is the thumb because he can touch all five gifts. He can be a prophet. He can be an evangelist. He can be a pastor. Or he can be a teacher. The prophet is the pointer finger because he's supposed to bring correction to the church. The evangelist is the middle finger. Because they have the furthest to go in ministry. They travel and evangelize to draw. The pastor is the ring finger. Because he's married. I ain't sticking my middle finger. I see some of y'all. He's married to the church. This has been dispelled and proven wrong. <laughs> but back in the day, they believed that the reason, where they, the reason why the whole... Uh, uh, um, idea of wearing a ring finger or a finger on your on your ring finger was because there was a vein that goes to the heart so the reason why we wear the ring is to show that my covenant is that I love you from the vein all the way to my heart and that's what that symbolizes the pastor is the pastor is married to the church he's in love with the church watch this which means that the pastor can't be an evangelist all the time The evangelist goes out. Why am I here today? God has me here for a reason. The evangelist goes out to draw. The pastor stays in-house to nurture. And the teacher stays to instruct. And the reason why he's the pinky is because he's the only one that can get in your ear. Am I too deep right now? <laughs> am I too deep today, y'all? All right. So he says, I was called to be an apostle, watch this, and singled out for God's good news or singled out for 
the gospel. Watch this. My assignment is not to be famous. My assignment is not to throw conferences. <laughs> My assignment is not to be on TBN. I've been singled out to preach the gospel. And if we are doing everything but preaching the gospel, we have to question our calling. Some people are better at professional put, putting together conferences than they are at preaching the gospel. So Paul begins to share with us what his purpose in ministry is. Now watch this, which he promised a long we promised long ago through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures. Watch this. The prophet's assignment of the whole Old Testament, and I'm going to get in trouble again, was to point the people to Christ. Anyone that prophesies and the prophecy does not point us to Christ is a psychic. Because what does a house and a car have to do with my soul? I can go to Miss Cleo, God bless her heart. She, she ain't here with us no more. And she could tell me about a car. I can go to the local psychic and they can tell me about my family issues. But the prophet is supposed to point me to Christ. <laughs> can I help y'all? Anytime a preacher comes up here every Sunday and preaches a message that points you to Christ, he's being prophetic. It does not have to be Hikomashanda, I say a car and I see a house. It does not have to be thus saith the Lord, there shall be glory in this house. That's wonderful. But what is the prophecy about? Never seen Isaiah tell people they was getting houses. Never told Jer I never saw Jeremiah tell people if you stand in this line, you're gonna get a breakthrough financially. I never saw Daniel in the lion's den saying, if I praise him five times and spend three times, I'm going to get out of this den and get a brand new Lexus. We have westernized the gospel. Because you can't preach that in Africa. I can't preach prosperity gospel in a third world country. So now the question has to be, is that the gospel? Hmm. Am I preaching the gospel or am I preaching new age? And if you're going to preach new age, just say I'm preaching new age. But don't throw gospel behind it. Because the purpose of the Old Testament prophets was to point us to Christ. If you go throughout the whole Old Testament and you study every prophet, his prophecy had something that was a building block that led us to Jesus. And every Sunday that I get up here, my assignment is to give you a building block to get you to Jesus. Amen. And if I'm up here teaching you on 10 steps to be blessed and five steps on how to get a man and 12 steps on how to get a house and four steps on how to get a car, I'm not leading you to Christ. I'm leading you to prosperity. I'm leading you to living a great life, but I'm not leading you to Christ, which now can become an issue. So Paul begins to share with us that the prophets and the Holy Scriptures pointed us to Christ, who was a descendant of David, according to the flesh. Next verse. 
and who has been declared to be the powerful son of God by the resurrection from the dead. This is him preaching the gospel according to the spirit of holiness. We have received grace and apostleship through him to bring obedience, to bring about the obedience of faith among all the nations on the behalf of his name, including yourselves, who also belong to Jesus Christ by calling. Let's stop right there because that is a whole lot in itself. Y'all with me? Y'all still with me? Y'all still with me? I know I'm boring y'all today. I promise you. We'll get excited in a couple weeks. We have received grace. Now watch this. (laughs) Just to give you a backdrop. Some of y'all may never heard. Apostle Paul is the most educated out of all of the apostles. If we put Apostle Paul in 2019, he would be a Harvard Law grad with a master's of divinity. No, a doctorate in divinity. With a doctorate in philosophy. He would probably work in Oxford. He would have been a Rhodes Scholar. He was one of the most brilliant minds, obviously, because he wrote two thirds of the New Testament. Which tells us that he is one of the most brilliant minds that the world had ever seen at that point. But what Apostle Paul shares with us is that this has nothing to do with my education. (laughs) I received my grace and apostleship through him to bring about obedience of faith among all nations. Watch this. Obedience there translated means submission. I feel like I'm in Bible study today. I've received grace and apostleship through him to bring about submission of faith among all what? The nations, not just the Jews. But my calling was to all the nations on the behalf of his name, including yourselves, who also belong to Jesus Christ by calling. What Apostle Paul is saying here is that it is not just my assignment to evangelize. It's your assignment to do it, too. If we're just looking for the pastor to compel folks, then we're missing our calling. Disciples should be making disciples. Are y'all with me? This is going to speed up in a second. Next verse. To all who are in Rome. No, this is this is good. Loved by God, called as saints. Now, y'all know we love that word saints. How many of y'all heard that growing up? The word saint does not mean to be a lofty person with a spiritual seat and a special hat in church and, you know, the King David chair. That is not that's not what a saint means. Along the way, we've 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 made that saints in the church. But a saint means nothing, nothing else. But the word saint comes from sanctification, which means to be set aside and apart. So when I call you Sister Kara and I say saint, Sister, she's a saint. She's one of the saints of the church. What I'm really saying is that she's one of those that is sanctified and called apart to do the work of God. What has happened is, I don't know how far to go today. We might have to cut this podcast off. Is in the Catholic Church, and I'm pleased, I'm not knocking. We've made our salvation by works and not by faith. So you have people trying to work them way their way into sainthood. 
And then you see every year the Pope comes out and says, I'm going to saint Mother Teresa, or I'm going to saint John Paul, or I'm going to saint Peter. But Paul is talking to saints that the Catholic Church never sainted. <laughs> Which tells us that the term saint is being used wrong from that perspective. What saint actually means is nothing more but a person that is set apart to do the work of God. Amen. So if you are set apart, sanctified, you've been saved by God, and you're set apart to do the work of God for Hope Haven Church, you are one of the saints. Right. Look at your neighbor and say, what up, saint? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Y'all with me? Grace to you and peace from our God, our Father, Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you because the news of your faith is being reported in all the world. What does that tell you about how these brothers is working? Y'all with me? <laughs> we got family here from South Carolina. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. First, I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you because of the news of your faith is being reported where? In all the world, which tells us what? That the gospel was so powerful that they were hearing the world, the world, the word from Rome. So Paul is first and foremost giving God praise because these people are not just saints, but they're putting the word into action. And the word of God is spreading like a wildflower throughout all of Rome. Amen. Hmm. Now, I'm not going to go too deep with this, but Rome was one of the first last places to hear the gospel. So for us to say that the church started in Rome, we got to go back to Acts 2. Acts 2, the church started where? In Jerusalem. And the Bible says, and on the day of Pentecost, all nations were there. Persians, Medes, Africans, all people. Africans, which means that the gospel was being preached in Africa in the book of Acts. We didn't get it when we came over on a slave ship. We had the gospel. <laughs> this is Acts 2. But Rome is doing a great job. And Paul is sitting here and he's sharing with them. I give God praise because your faith is being reported all throughout the world. Next verse. For God, whom I serve with my spirit and telling the good news about his son is my witness that I constantly mention you, always asking in my prayers that if somehow in God's will, I may now at least succeed in coming to you. His prayer is to come to them. For I want very much to see you so I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. I'm going to stop there for just a couple moments. This shows us a pastor's heart. This shows us a pastor's heart. Y'all with me? Y'all can take notes here. Number one, verse eight. Paul affirms them for their work. First thing he does is he congratulates and thanks them for their hard work. Amen. Number two, he prays for his church. <laughs> a pastor is supposed to pray for their church. Number three, he expresses his desire to be with them. He's not so far out and so deep that his members can't touch him. Amen. <laughs> so he desires to be with his people. Number four, he promises, watch this. Not just to instruct them, but to assist them. I'm not going to tell you something that I'm not going to do myself. 
I'm not going to tell y'all to go out there and witness and tell people about Jesus and I'm not doing it. And then number four. Well, he, he promises to assist them right here by imparting into them some spiritual gift to strengthen them. Now, watch this. What is the spiritual gift that he gives them? Now, this can go twofold. The first part, first people believe some people believe that it is some kind of supernatural gift. So they believe that when Paul comes, he's going to lay hands on them so they can heal the sick and raise the dead. I'm not disputing that if you believe that. But I believe that 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 spiritual that the spiritual gift that Paul is speaking of is much more deeper than that. Because we got a whole lot of folks that can raise that can not raise the dead, but can, you know, can stretch legs and do all that stuff. That's why we have a whole bunch of charlatans on TV now. So I believe that Paul's assignment was deeper than just laying hands on people so they can have some type of supernatural gift. Because if that's the case, you're going to have a whole bunch of heathens in the church raising their hands so that they can get a, a spiritual natural gift. Who is the man in the book of Acts that came to the apostles and said, uh, I'll pay you. Give me some. I'll give you some money. Simon, 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 Simon the sorcerer. He, he, he seen that they were that the folks had spiritual gifts. And he came and said, look, I'll give you some money if you give me that gift that y'all got so I can make some more money. He was going to put a down payment in so that he could be the master blesser. So that's not what Paul is speaking of. What I believe that Paul is speaking of is he's speaking of instructing them. The spiritual gift there is to instruct them on how to stand their ground when things get tough. That's a spiritual gift. A real spiritual gift is when your faith is tested and you stand your ground and say, God, I still trust you. We don't got to get too deep. We ain't got to talk about healing the dead and, and, and raising the dead and healing the sick. No, no, no. A real spiritual gift is when you're being fought on every side and you keep your hands lifted and say, God, I still trust you. And what Paul is sharing here in this text is that you guys are doing well, but you're going to have a season of persecution. The Jews are going to try to kill you for preaching this gospel. The pagans are going to try to kill you for preaching this gospel. So my prayer is that when I come to you, I can lay hands on you and ask God to give you the strength to stand when the devil tries to take your life. And even if he takes your life, you still stand your ground and trust him. Y'all remember Daniel and, and, and uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego when they were in the fiery furnace, they began to pray. But one of the most powerful prayers that they said when they were in there was that even if God does not pull us out, he's still able. That is a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift is if he never heals me from cancer, he's still a healer. If he never brings me out of heart failure, he's still a heart fixer. If he never fixes my family, he still can reconcile. His will is still perfect, even when I don't understand it. That is a spiritual gift. And Paul is saying, I'm praying that when things get hard, you still can trust me. Who am I talking to today? My prayer for y'all today as your pastor, those of you are pastor, is that God gives you the spiritual gift to endure when you want to give up. Next verse. I'm sorry. All right, we're moving. That is to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, by yours and mine. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that I often plan to come, but was prevented until now in order that I might have a fruitful ministry among you 
just as among the Gentiles. Fruit there means converts, not money. Because <laughs> you'll have a lot of preachers that will twist this text and they'll try to say fruit. But he says, I come to you, brothers, if I plan to do in order that I may have a fruitful ministry among you, just as the rest of the Gentiles. What I want is I want a church of thriving people. God will provide the finances. Because if we're dealing with Rome, we're dealing with prosperous people. So money's not an issue. But what I prefer to see over money is folks that are saved. You're with me. We're going to go somewhere in a minute, I promise you. I keep saying, I'm, I'm, I promise you, we're going somewhere. Next verse. I am obligated, watch this, both to Greeks and barbarians, both to wise and the foolish. Watch this. I'm obligated. Look at your neighbor say, I'm obligated. I'm obligated. Look at your neighbor say, you're obligated too. Uh -huh. I'm obligated and you're obligated. Some of y'all like, no, I'm not. Y'all like, what am I obligated to before I say that? All right. I ain't got no cash on me. I always pick on Kara. I always pick on Kara. All right, you got a dollar. All right, I'm going to get right back. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm playing. <laughs> right, now check this out, right? I'm only pretending to be God. Y'all know I ain't God. But I come to Kara. And I give this to Kara and I say, be a blessing. Be a blessing with what I gave you. And every time you are blessing with what I give you, I'm going to give you more. Y'all with me? Every time you bless your neighbor, I'm going to go in my pocket and I'm going to give you more, which means that you're obligated. Y'all with me? Are y'all with me? Christ died and gave us his word and said, you're obligated to share it. And if you don't share it and you keep it in your pocket, you're selfish, you're untrustworthy, and I can never give you more. So one of the reasons why churches don't grow is because God has given them an obligation and they have not shared it with anyone else. Y'all quiet. And God has a stack in his back pocket saying, I want to bless you so good, but I've been watching you hold that 20 in your pocket for the last 20 years, and the person beside you needs it, and you don't understand it. If you just give that 20 away, I got 100 I'm ready to give you. Y'all quiet in here. So we're stunned spiritually. We're stunned in our churches. We're stunned in our lives, we're stunned even financially because we are so afraid that if we give it away, there's nothing else. But you serve a God that has that that has a, a cattle on a thousand hills, and the earth is His footstool, and all everything we need belongs to Him. And He's saying, "What are you doing?" So Paul is saying, "No way does God give me this gospel, and I don't go out and try to give it to as many folks as I can." Because every time I give it to somebody, he just keeps on filling me. 
And in order for me to keep getting filled, I'm going to have to keep giving it to somebody. So Paul says, I'm obligated to the Greeks, to the barbarians, to the wise, to the fools, to the black, to the white, to the yellow, to the brown, to the poor, to the rich, to the gay, to the straight, to the transgender, to the whatever. I'm obligated to give it to them because if I don't give it to them, I can't grow myself. Look at your neighbor again and say, you're obligated. God wants to give you more. God wants to open your storehouse. God wants to expound your boundaries. God wants to grow this church. But if we keep it in our pocket. We come here every Sunday and it's just us. There's somebody going to orange cleaners. And they need it. But we're keeping it all in here. We're missing our purpose. How many hundreds of cars drive down 45 during the hours of 11 to 1230? And we're sitting here keeping it in our pocket. And God is saying, you're selfish. You're selfish. You're selfish. You can't even share on Facebook. You can't even retweet on Twitter. You can't even screenshot it and text it. You can't even send somebody. God said, I done made it so easy for this generation. You can't even give them the podcast. Paul is saying, there's no way in the world that I'm going to hold something like this that has changed my life and not share it with somebody else. Can I go a step further? Kara, I keep messing with you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I want you to think about this for a moment, Kara. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning and God gave you a revelation at the canteen to make a sandwich that heals cancer. How are you going to handle that? Are you just going to keep that sandwich to yourself who doesn't have cancer and just keep eating it? No, I'm just, you know, taking preventative measures just in case. I'm going to eat 10 sandwiches today. Or are you going to take that sandwich and walk all through Pittman? Walk all through Mullica Hill? Walk all through Woodbury? Walk all through West Dufford? Go all up into Newark, Jersey City, Brooklyn, Bronx, Queens? Go all down in North, South, Georgia, Florida, evangelizing? Because you recognize that you have a remedy that will transform and change someone's life what if I was to tell you you have that? What is if I was to tell all of you you have that in this book called the gospel? That this book changes and transforms souls. This book heals spiritual diseases and spiritual cancers, but yet you're not walking around giving it to anybody. I'm sorry, this is bringing a lot of conviction. We have the greatest vaccination in the world. And we ain't sharing it with nobody. Well, they don't want to hear what I got to say. Did you try? Did you start a conversation? Did you at least say, I'm a Christian? You made an assumption. 
That's like walking up to somebody that's sick with a disease and you saying they won't give me no eye contact so I ain't going to tell them that I got this vaccination here. I'm just going to let them die. That is us every time we walk past someone that's a sinner and may not know God. And we don't give them the vaccination of the gospel. And we can't wait for the preaching. Paul shares with us, it's everybody's responsibility to share this gospel. I hope this is helping somebody today. I hope I ain't sound like I'm just yelling at people. So Paul says, I'm obligated to both the Greeks and the barbarians, both the wise and the foolish. So I am eager, since I know what I have, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. And because I know what it does, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Yes. <laughs> you, some folks are only ashamed because they don't know what it does. But when you know how the word has transformed your life, when you know where you have been and you know where you could have been if you didn't have this word, there's no shame in sharing it. Paul recognizes that I was a blasphemer. I was a person that persecuted the church. I was a person that tried to kill people if they confessed Christ. I was the chief of all sinners and God saved me. And because I know that he can save me and because I've seen him transform my life, I am not ashamed of it because my testimony speaks in itself. Because it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in God's righteousness is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, Habakkuk 2, the just shall live by, the righteousness, the righteous will live by faith. The just shall live by faith, the righteous shall live by faith. You're justified by faith, which makes you righteous. Does that make sense? Just justification is a legal entity which now releases you from your burden of sin or your burden of crime, which now makes you righteous. So when we are saved and we are justified and God has given us our just due for things that even though we really did, he wrote off, it now makes us righteous. And now, since he has done that, the righteous will live by faith. For God's wrath, watch this is revealed from heaven against all godliness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Hold on, go back. I'm sorry. Y'all with me? I'm going to say that again. For God's wrath is revealed from what? Against what? And what else? So watch this. We... Are not saved from the devil. We're saved from God's wrath. Devil ain't got nothing to do with this. He ain't nothing but a tempter. God's wrath wants to kill you. I know we, we like to spend a whole lot of time. The devil tried to fight my job. No, 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 no. So I'm giving him so much credit. He ain't God. Can I? I wish I had a lot of time, but I don't. A lot of the things that we consider negative is even still in the will of God. 
I know y'all like, uh uh-uh, I shouldn't have lost that job. But God took that job to get you where he wanted you. Because if he didn't take it, you stay there. And we all would have to still hear your mouth about how much you hated that job. <laughs> Some of y'all laughing. We have to hear your mouth how much your supervisor get on your nurse. So you know what God said? Let me just take this job from them. Now all of a sudden, no, they're messing with me because I'm black. No, you was late. <laughs> we ain't going there. You, you came there at 905 every day. <laughs> so God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godliness, all, all godliness, godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress truth. I'm going to say something that messed with me this week. <clears throat> Suppressing the truth of God hinders the will of God. Let me say that again. Suppressing the truth of God will hinder the will of God. Does that make sense? When you suppress what you know is right, you hinder God's plan for your life. So now since you're out of his will, you're into his wrath. Because he gave you the truth, you disobeyed the truth, and now you're against him. And now you've become an enemy of God's. So now his wrath is now, his wrath was, because now we're covered, we're saved by grace, was against us because we suppressed his truth. Watch this, in most cases, to do what we wanted to do. Next verse. I'm almost done, y'all. Since what can be known about God is evident among them, because God has shown it to them. Watch this. Don't you tell me there ain't no God and you can't explain the son. You don't need a hikamashunda and a praise break to recognize that there's something supernatural about the stars being in the sky. (laughs) You don't need a, a preacher to hoop till he passes out. To, tell, to, to, to show you God's nature. Yes, thank you. His revelation of nature to show you that he's God. So God is evident among them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes. Watch this, the atoms, the cells in your body. The heart that's beating that you can't see. The mind that's working that can't be revealed. The electric that runs through your body. All of these things are invisible things to prove that God is in the work. And yet people still challenge his divinity. For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. Now, you may question, you know, the deity of Christ and that things, but you can't question God because it's been revealed. Next verse. For though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, 
their thinking became nonsense and their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, this is modern. Ain't this crazy? This is written 2,000 years ago and we still... Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. What's your name? What's your sign? Oh, my spiritual animal is a bird. I was a Tweety bird in my former life. All of these cultural things, paganism things, I told you, chapter one deals with the pagan man. All of these pagan things still apply in the modern day world. Where we'll try to give anything else glory but Jesus. You got to help me. How can a bird save your soul? How can a cow get you to heaven? How can a lizard give you eternal life? But we will try to justify any and everything, then give God his credit for what he has done in our life. You'll believe in a bird, but you won't believe in a man sent by God to die on the cross who was half God and half man so that you can have eternal life. But your praise, your spiritual animal. Next verse. Therefore, God delivered them over and the cravings of their heart to sexual impurity. I'm going to go somewhere with this for just a minute. Y'all with me? I'm almost done. I got five minutes. I got five minutes. I've been talking a while. Y'all with me? Therefore, God delivered them over in the cravings of their hearts to sexual impurity. <sighs> in the book of Numbers, the 11th chapter, God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt. Y'all remember that? Now, before God brought them out, he opened a Red Sea. Y'all remember that? Before he brought them out, there was a host of flies and all types of plagues and Everything. I don't know about y'all, but after that, I believe he is real. Amen. Yes. I don't need no more signs. Maybe that's me. Y'all, maybe y'all need, you know, this, this roof to come off. I don't need the roof to come off, Jesus. I believe. <laughs> I believe that you are holding this thing up right now. Yes. Praise God. I got some praises in here. We don't want this ceiling to fall. But some folks need a, just a, God, I need you to kick me out of bed so I can know you real. Like some folks need like something crazy to have. I, 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 look, I seen I seen him kick another somebody else. I'm all right. <laughs> but God does all of that, right? Drops manna from the sky. Now y'all know I ain't never I ain't never walked down the street and some bread fell and I was like, hmm. <laughs> During the day, he put a certain cloud over their heads so they wouldn't get too hot and sweaty. I, you know. I ain't never experienced that. At night, when they walking through the wilderness, he put a pillar of clouds so they could see, or a, a light, a flame, so he could see where they was going. I, no, he done did all that, right? And now they get to a certain point and they say, God, we should have stayed back in Egypt because I'm still hungry. This manna ain't enough. How would you feel if you was God? <laughs> So what does God do? God says, all right, fine. 
Moses, tell them tomorrow I'm going to drop quail. And I'm going to drop so much quail that they're going to keep eating. They're going to eat so much that it's going to come all out their nose. I'm going to give them, watch this, their heart's desire. I've been telling y'all for the last couple months, be careful. Asking for your heart's desire when your heart ain't right with God. Because God will give you exactly what you want. And you'll be somewhere wishing God didn't listen to you. That's what's happening here. Is that they got so caught up in their sinful nature. Not just sexually. Not just in that area. But in all different other areas, they got caught up and God says, okay, here. I'm going to give it to you. And now their sinful nature started coming all out their nostrils. Because sometimes God has to get you sin sick before he can heal you. Therefore, God delivered them over in the cravings of their sexual impurity so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve something created instead of the creator who is praised forever. Amen. Next verse. This is why God delivered them over to degrading passions. For even their females exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. Next verse. The males in the same way also left their unnatural relations with females and were inflamed in their lust for one another. Males committed shameless acts with males and received in their own persons the appropriate penalty for of their error. Now, I want to stop here right now and I got to address it because I have to. It's in the Bible. And I told y'all when I started Whole Paper Church, I don't care what text came up. We got to talk about it. Even when it gets uncomfortable. Now, I done told y'all. This is my issue, okay? Y'all with me? I, biblically, theologically, my ground is that marriage is between a male and a female. Y'all with me? That's my ground. But what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to close the door on my LGBT community of brothers and sisters that love Christ as well. Are y'all with me? I got to say it. I got to say it. I got to say it. Because the thing that angers me is that, and I'm not going to even mention one particular denomination that does it, but they'll take this text and they beat it to a pulp, but they don't deal, I ain't saying denominations, but they don't deal with their other issues that they have within themselves. And they kick and beat down a group of people that want Christ just as much. How do I close the door on somebody that says I want Jesus? Because we disagree on sexuality. I'm sorry, y'all. I know some folks ain't going to leave, leave, ain't going to never come back, but this is just how I am. I know where I stand. But I can't Challenge God on who he can save. I know how I interpretate the scripture. But I can't challenge a person that comes in here and says, I want Jesus 
and I'm a transgender. What do I do? Send you to hell forever? How? Help me, Jesus. Y'all with me? So, I told you guys earlier, months ago, that we live in a different progressive world. And conversations that we didn't have to have 20 years, no, 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 20 conversations we should have had 20 years ago. But because everybody pretended that everybody was okay and that everything was one way, we just continued to avoid it till it blew up. And now all of a sudden it's like, how do we handle it? should have been handled. These texts should have been wrestled with. And this is something that I wrestle with because anybody that knows, anybody that reads the Bible, you are always wrestling with the text. Yes. Amen. Are y'all with me? Yeah. I will forever wrestle with the text. Not, not saying, God, you're wrong, but God, give me understanding. Mm-hmm. Y'all with me? Amen. So when I look at this text, what I don't want to do, because I, a lot of preachers, when I, say, when I hear them say, let's go to Romans 1, I know where they're going and they go there. And they spent an hour dealing with, look at this. Paul just went through 26 verses. And they go to the 27th out of 20, I don't know how many verses we got here. 31, I believe. How many verses we got in in Rome? We got two more? 32. 32 verses. And they deal with one verse, but they didn't deal with the verses that I just spent 45 minutes talking about. I know I can't preach this everywhere, but I don't care. That's why I'm here at Hope Haven. (laughs) You done spent an hour on this one verse, and God gave us 31 other ones to worry about. And maybe the issue is you. Maybe you're the one with the problem. So we have to look at it from beyond. No, no, I'm, I'm going to go here. Let me, can y'all, can y'all with me? Male, male. Female, female. Male, female. Male, transgender. Transgender, transgender. It's so many now. They, they got 100 transgenders uh, now. I don't care what it is. Anything that has sex outside of marriage is in fornication. That's right. That's so if I'm going to deal with the homosexual man and the homosexual woman that's having sex outside of, outside of marriage, I have to deal with the heterosexual couple that's having sex outside of marriage and say, you guys are under the same wrath and nobody can be offended because you all are in sin. And if we preach it from that dynamic, nobody can argue with you because it's the word of God. And that's my issue. My issue ain't orientation per se. My, my issue is we're, we're connecting and becoming one into something that we shouldn't be connecting with when we have no covenant. So therefore, that makes it the pleasure of your flesh, not the pleasure of your soul. <laughs> Amen. I'm, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you. I know I'm talking. <laughs> now we're dealing with what Paul is talking about 
He's not necessarily dealing with just the same sex situation. He's dealing with the fact that they allowed the pleasures of their flesh to get out of control and they moved from something that was supposed to be sanctified and made it unholy. Did I park here long enough? All right. 28th verse. And because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a worthless mind to do what is morally wrong. He gave them the quail. We're back at that again. I told you it had to do with the fact that they did not acknowledge God. And God delivered them over to a worthless mind to do what was morally wrong. They are filled with all unrighteousness. Watch, look at this. Who is he talking to? He's just talking to a homosexual. He says they are filled with all unrighteousness. He's talking to mankind, evil, greed, and wickedness. They are full of envy, murder, quarrel. We're dealing with everybody now. Now it's quiet. Come on, preacher. Go to the next verse. Come on, pastor. Preach the 28th verse. Let's talk about your quarrels. Let's talk about your deceit. Let's talk about your evil self. Let's talk about you stealing the offering. Let's talk about you being wicked. Let's talk about your wild malice. Let's talk about your gossiping. Don't just pinpoint one person. Let's talk about you too. All right, I got Next verse. Slander, look, he's still going. Yeah, I can imagine Paul just writing, slanderous, God-haters, arrogant, proud. He's going off. <laughs> Boastful. Look at this. Inventors of evil. Jesus. How do you invent a new evil? <laughs> like, like, you're on some next level. This is a 2019 sin right here. Y'all ain't never heard of this one. <laughs> I'm about to do something you ain't never seen like before. <laughs> Children, disobedient to parents. Look at Paul. He going at everybody, right? Undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. And if we tell the truth, we all fell short in one of those. <laughs> Thank you for your honesty. A couple of them. If we had a test out of 10, some of y'all would have failed. You ain't got a 90%. (laughs) Although they know full well of God's just sentence, that those who practice such things, look at this, hold on, stop, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus, because I'm going back. You focused on the 27th verse, but we just went through three verses of all your other sins. And what does it say? Those who practice such things, those things deserve to die. Woo! So don't you just tell me a homosexual who's having sex is going to hell. Tell me the liar is going to hell. Tell me the heterosexual couple that's been shacking for 20 years and won't get married is going to hell too. Uh oh. I dropped the mic, Pastor. That's my cousin. Let's not pinpoint one issue. Let's deal with them all. I'm long today, I know, but this is very important to me. Although they know full well God's just sentences, 
sentence that those who practice such things deserve. They deserve, but it did not say they will deserve to die. They not only do them, but they even applaud others who practice them. And the reason why is because nobody likes to sit alone. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and he's very talented. Matter of fact, I'll, I'll tell you who it is. Joe, the guy that preached there a couple weeks ago. Very talented. Y'all heard him. The boy know the word. Walking Bible. And, and we're talking, and we're like, I'm, I'm like, man, you, you gifted. I'm like, why ain't you on the huge platforms? You, you, got, you got a great gift. And as we talked about it, we begin to share that at certain platforms, you can't get in unless they got dirt on you. So they won't let you in the door unless they got something on you. And his thing is, I ain't going in the door if I got to get dirt on my name. Because no one likes to feel like they're sinning alone. So when folks is around you and they keep telling you about what they did over the weekend, they waiting for you to tell something. <laughs> Girl, we got tore up last night. I was, and you just sitting there with the blank stare. Now they mad. Now they, I ain't telling her nothing else. No one likes to sin alone. That was a lot. I'm done. That was a lot. I'm not giving y'all three points if y'all ain't right something. <laughs> y'all on y'all own today. But it deals with just mankind. It showed us today how we got there. We moved from knowing who we was to suppressing who we was to walking in our own will. And what we don't want to do is we don't want to suppress what he's showing us. If God is showing it to you, God, not, not you, not I had a dream after you ate some chicken. God. Can I give y'all the greatest way to prophesy? Because some of y'all are looking for some kind of prophetic college and somebody bring you up and say this. No. Open your Bible and read it out loud. That's prophecy. And if you're looking for instruction, open the word. Look for instruction. And even when it hurts, don't suppress it. Amen. Say, God, I might be wrestling with it, but it's the truth. And although I may not agree, and although I may not understand, I'm not going to suppress it. I'm just going to keep trusting, loving, and believing until I understand. Amen. But don't suppress it to meet your agenda. Don't try to make the Bible say something that it doesn't say, because then it's no longer the gospel. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I'm finished, y'all. That was a lot. That was a lot. All right. I'll preach the hour today, didn't I? Jesus. All right. <laughs> Praise God. All right. So on Tuesday, we're going to do Romans 2. On Tuesday, did I say Tuesday? Wednesday, we're going to do Romans 2. I'm tired, y'all. I'm going right to bed when I leave here. <laughs> Jesus. 
uh, Wednesday, we're going to do Romans 2. Um, next Sunday, um, we have four speakers that are going to break down Romans 3. All right. How many of y'all be here for the Word of the Week? Our Word of the Week speakers are going to break down Romans 3 next Sunday. All right. So I went first. <laughs> Pressure's off of me. All right. So I told y'all this week dealt with the pagan man. Tuesday, we're dealing with the moral man. They got a hard word because Wednesday, they're dealing, they dealing with the spiritual. Next Sunday, they're dealing with the spiritual man. So they're going to talk about y'all church folks. <laughs> I'm playing. I'm playing. <laughs> but <laughs> if, if, if it comes down your aisle, you got to take it. Y'all know how many times I was sitting in church. I'm like, mind your business. <laughs> Why you got to preach on that this Sunday? How he know? So if they hit on something, I don't know. Maybe I hit on something with somebody today. I don't know. But it was not personal. It's out of love. And like I told y'all, I'm only going to share with y'all what's in the book. Amen? Amen. We're going to take up communion and then we're going to get out of here. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word on today, God. God, this one was rough, tough. But God, I thank you we made it through. Thank you, Lord, for insight and understanding. And God, I pray, you for, I pray God, that, that even if we still struggle in certain areas, God, that you help us with our understanding. God, reveal to us what we need to know on how to minister and how to be effective with ministering to people of different communities, of different ethnicities, of different people from different class and, and, and money and, and, you know, political views. God, just help us, God, come together, God, because there's unity in you, God. There's no Greek. There's no Gentile. There's no barbarian. We're all one in you, God. God, teach us, God, how to be one with you, God. And God, we thank you and we give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. At this time. Thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, please visit our site at www.go2hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach, evangelize, accept, and love. Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community, nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more next week.